0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus.
2: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Mr. Speaker, it's a rare occasion when the House of Representatives must vote on articles of impeachment against a federal judge. Indeed, the last time this occurred was 20 years ago. However, when evidence emerges that an individual is abusing his judicial office for his own advantage, the integrity of the judicial system becomes compromised, and the House of Representatives has the duty to investigate the matter and take the appropriate actions to end the abuse and restore confidence in the judicial system. It is also rare for the members of the House Judiciary Committee to agree on anything. However, the committee voted unanimously last week to report out House Resolution 520, which contains the four articles of impeachment against Judge Kent. This vote came after a thorough investigation and much work by the task force on judicial impeachment. Specifically, the task force conducted an investigation of Judge Kent's conduct, which included working with the FBI, the Department of Justice, and the Fifth Judicial Circuit. The task force also conducted an investigatory hearing on the matter at which two court employees who were victimized by Judge Kent testified about the extent of his sexual abuse. At that same hearing, we heard from a constitutional scholar who testified that Judge Kent's misconduct rises to the level of impeachable offenses. It is important to note that Judge Kent was invited to testify at the hearing. His attorney was also invited to testify and participate in the hearing. Both declined to attend. As you have already heard in statements today and as you have already seen in the Judiciary Committee report, Judge Samuel Kent's misconduct merits the serious step of issuing articles of impeachment. The evidence also shows that he lied to the FBI and the Department of Justice about the nature of his sexual misconduct with court employees. In addition, he pled guilty to felony obstruction of justice and to committing repeated acts of non-consensual sexual contact with court employees. He was sentenced to 33 months in prison for committing felony obstruction of justice, and this past Monday he reported to prison and began his prison term.
3: Ladies and gentlemen of America, this is AJC Radio 2020 kickoff show. Tonight, we are back and with force. We're addressing federal judges, state judges behaving badly, namely, Federal Judge Christine Arguello in Colorado. Folks, hang on. We take off right now.
4: I'm Lamar Banks along with Kendrick Barnes, Samson Riddle, William Williams, Dennis Merritt,
3: and Cliff Stewart. As tonight, we are excited to be back with all of our listeners across the United States and around the globe. And tonight, there's no exception to what we must put out tonight as we continue our quest for justice. And that starts tonight, first show of 2020. And, uh, Uh, Our host, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, as we get ready to get into this discussion regarding Federal Judge Christine Arguello, I'll tell you right now, folks, and I'll say this out the gate, that there are a lot of good judges in this country, a lot of them, that really believe in justice, believe in integrity, believe in honor, and believe in the robe that they wear to administer justice. Let me be clear on that. And we have done uh, programs on this show, shining the light on judges that have done remarkable things and continue to to this day. So please make no mistake about it: we don't put all judges in one group. And we're going to we're going to go ahead and get into discussion. Kendrick, your thoughts as we get ready to go down this road tonight?
2: Uh, I'm just uh, as a victim of being uh, of, a, of under a judge that is ethically challenged. I was surprised is when you look up the subject that there is whole websites dedicated to judges that are, have been uh, caught with misconduct or even breaking the law. And it's, and it's important because a lot of these judges, especially state judges are able to be voted in, voted in or voted out of office. So we also need to, I think uh, more carefully delve into the integrity of the people that we are electing as judges. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it should be, a political thing. I think even federal judges need to be vetted by the public and that the public should decide more on who do we sit in these courts and who are they. We we see them get uh, affirmed by the Senate, but as the public, we don't know who they are. We don't know their past, And I think a lot of that needs to be vetted out because some of these people that we put on there are morally bankrupt and really don't need a robe and, and a gavel.
3: Well, we're going to go down the path with Christina Aguayo tonight Uh, Again, a lot of judges are doing what they do. Our focus tonight will be on on Judge Christine Arguello. In the history of advocacy, as long as what our research has brought us, uh, I and others who are in the profession of criminal justice attorneys uh, that we have talked to have stated they have never seen the conduct of a judge hit the level of complete bias and hate towards the religious Institution and attacks on clergy from the bench. It's unheard of, but we're going to peel it back tonight and let you take a look at judges behaving badly. Part one, I'll call it. Namely, Christine Arguello. We'll be right back. This is AJC
5: radio. We have a big problem.
9: The criminal justice system has a set of rights created to protect you. But do you think it's really protecting us? You had a right to remain silent. But that really means you had a right to be silent, doubted, interrogated, suspected. The color of your skin can and will be used against you in the court of law. In their hands, we're incarcerated five times more often than white people convicted for the same crimes. You have a right to attorney during questioning. In some states, 80% of criminal defendants can't even afford an attorney. So an overworked public defender controls your fate. One government employee, countless lives at stake. You had a right to be innocent until proven guilty. But somehow, about 47% of the wrongly convicted are black. And if they do prove you're guilty, they're gonna write you a run on sentence. On average, 20% longer than white defendants accused of the same crime. Even if you get out, you're still not free. When you're an ex con they had a right to deny you a bank account, deny you a mortgage, deny you a job, deny your vote. And if you don't remain perfect with the smallest slip-up, smallest infraction, the most honest mistake, you're going to join us, the 80% who come back to prison within five years, as I did. That's when you realize they didn't bring us here to thrive. They brought us here to build this. The plantation and the prison are actually no different. The past is the present. It ain't no coincidence. This was the plan since abolition, to keep us subjugated by creating this system. But I believe in a different set of rights, the right to stand up and be heard, the right to reform a broken justice system and build a new future. We had the right to be silent. Now it's our right to speak up. Do you understand these rights as I read them to you?
10: Meeting a teen girl online is actually pretty easy. You can go into any chat room and just start talking. Most of the girls are usually so insecure and Desperate for attention. attention
11: from older guys is totally flattering. They're so much more mature and understanding than the guys mind.
10: Age actually works to my advantage. They like to brag to their friends that they're dating an older guy, so I just play along and pretend I'm really it
11: interested in the same things I am. You can talk forever and really get to know someone without worrying about looks or whatever. That's the best thing about chat.
10: Chatting seems unthreatening to them, so they lower their guard. After a while, I start talking about how we're soulmates and how lucky we are to have found each other. Other
11: people don't understand. I know what I'm doing. If you really care about each other, there's nothing wrong with me.
10: Meeting them is the goal. Once I get them out of their house, well, that's when things get really interesting.
11: Online predators know what they're doing. Do you?
7: children's struggles with hunger in america support the feeding america nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need join us at feedingamerica.org
12: do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent the united states is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering A Just Cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call A Just Cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
3: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we are. Addressing an issue regarding Federal Judge Christine Arguello, the title of this show tonight is part one of a series of judges behaving badly. I made it clear at the onset of this show that we are extremely appreciative of the judges that honor the bench in which they reside. There are a lot of judges out here that do a very, very good job. Uh, We've done promotional shows in regards to that, promoting their efforts, their integrity, uh, I have the opportunity here in El Paso County in Colorado to work with some very good judges. Uh, and and I've seen a great deal of, of, of integrity and honor uh, from these judges that I've had the opportunity to encounter and be a part of their court proceedings. So let me be clear on that. I think that, that there are a lot of good things out there, but tonight it is imperative that we focus on what is wrong with the system. Why are judges doing the things that they do and simply seemingly very easy to get away with it. Tonight we focus on Judge Christine Arguello, a huge attack on a religious institution, a huge attack on people and members of this institution that she has never met, never talked to, a huge attack on its pastor, calling in question the Christianity of a pastor and attacking a church making outrageous claims that have not been substantiated that have not even been looked into how is that possible and how does that come from a judge judge christine arguello fits her own mold if you will we as a just cause organization will continue to expose these actions this behavior as, just as we would any judge or any person it feels like they can supermit the law and do whatever they choose to do. Cliff, as we get into this discussion tonight, I'd like to get your thoughts as you have we have been back and forth uh, in regards to information that has been released from Judge Arguello's court and the different proceedings and motions that have been filed that the untruth and the outrageous conduct and things that are being said by this judge clearly crossed the line. What are your thoughts on it?
10: Yeah, you know, the, the thing I think that obviously a judge making the type of comments that Judge Argoel's made from the bench against a church, against a pastor uh, that she knows nothing about, that she has no idea about, never been um, to the church, never talked to this pastor one-on-one. But the thing that really gets you is that then this judge is allowed to take those proceedings and seal them. And then when ordered by the higher court, the appellate court, to say you must unseal those in the best interest of the public to unseal those records. The judge ignores that mandate from the court. Those are the type of things, you know, to to Ken's point earlier, that we as the public have to say that is not acceptable. A judge has been put in place. You know, these judges get put in, these federal judges, uh, with life appointments, and nobody can take them down. Unless it I mean they have to almost kill somebody to be taken off the bench. and that needs to be changed. I mean, that is the reason that the American Constitution came into place was because of the absolutism of the uh, of of other governments. That's the reason that we came up with a government supposedly by the people for the people,, uh, you know, with all that. But judges still are in the position that they're put on the court for life. They say what they want to say. And then in the case of Judge Christine Arguello, she's told by the higher court, given a mandate, and still refuses to follow as far as uh, unsealing those those records. Those are the type of things that we as the public cannot stand for and that we have to look at in a broad picture that if she does it once and gets away with it, what happens the next time that she does it? What happens uh, when, when she's You know, like she did in the the IRP Solutions case, throwing people in prison that committed no crime, giving outrageous sentences to people that committed no crime. This is these are the things that we must fight. We must put everything into it and say that we will not stand for judges with this
3: type of behavior. Well, the problem is, is that if you if you let this judge get away with this, uh, who else will be the victim of this type of bias? We've said from the beginning of this show and this program since AJC started, it was about the wrongful conviction of these six men, known now as the IRP-5. The conduct during the the case is where this judge crossed the line. It was clear. The appellate court even went as far as to say they were concerned. The higher court was concerned about her uh, particular opinion towards white-collar crime. That they saw a pattern here. This was this was something that was a record. But yet they still allow this judge to occupy the bench and continue these issues of abuse. You cannot say in one breath, we are concerned about the attitude and actions of this judge that has been noted. But let her remain on the bench to continue to preside over cases and over the lives of people that come before her. That is a complete contradiction. It is our job as advocates to address these issues they are never going to be not dealt with or discussed because it winders injustice every single time. And now you have a situation where you have a pastor in a community totally above reproach for 38 years Listen to that. 38 years above reproach. And you have a judge that decides because she does not like this pastor based upon false statements and issues that she showed true bias against this church and its pastor from day one, from the time the trial started. From the time proceedings started, she had an issue. At that point, you are more than in a situation to recuse yourself period. And the pattern of abuse continued over and over and over again. So this is not a small thing. This is a big deal. And when you attack the reputation of a church and its pastor, after we know in the community, this particular church and pastor are involved in outreach programs across the city, they are involved with helping veterans They're involved with helping the elderly. They're involved with helping the homeless. They're involved with helping those less fortunate to find a way out and to find hope. And you have a federal judge sitting on a bench attacking this type of good. It is unacceptable. We will call it out because it's not your job. You've never been to one service. you never had one conversation with that pastor.
2: And let's not forget this That is illegal. Yes. You are a federal judge. You are bound by the Constitution. The Constitution protects religious freedom, but it also protects that the government can't take a side on one religion or not. They're not
3: not. not supposed to. They're not supposed to.
2: You are supposed to follow the law and respect the person's religious rights. But even farther, as you were saying, if you've never attended a service at the Collar Springs Fellowship. Heard Sister Rose, Pastor Rose preach. you I don't know if you ever came to College Springs, I don't know. How do you have the right to opine? And plus it's against the law. It's a, this is public record. How is this judge allowed to stay on the bench and get away with this? And that and that's the point. It's it's an outrage even beyond that. Hey, there's that's a public concern, but it's against the law. It's illegal and who made a judge
6: above the law?
3: Well it's an ethical to be able to be, that's why they say justice is supposed to be blind. That's right. Supposed to be blind. That's right. A judge serves only as a referee in proceedings. Believe it or not, that's what his or her role is. You are to referee and ensure fairness on both sides of the courtroom. That is your job. You oversee the conduct going on in a court. And you ensure fairness for both sides, not the case with the IRP6 case, not the case with these men. And I'll tell you right now, it has to be talked about and it has to be condemned from every advocate, every person that believes in justice, every person that believes in the Constitution of the United States of fairness that is entitled to every citizen under the law. Everyone should be crying out about it. Everyone should speak out about it. And you find that most people don't cry out against anything until it visits their front door. It's true. I'm going to tell you right now, this ain't something we're speculating about. or oh, we're just taking a guess. Oh, we're just thinking this or thinking that. This is not any type of opinion. These are facts. Stated in this case in words by... Christine well these are the words that came out of her mouth and that
2: she tried to cover up too so let's not forget we'll that we'll get to that
3: yeah. we'll get to that but this this is what we're talking about about judges behaving badly doing things that are just unacceptable uh and that's something that we have to address we have to deal with it uh and we're going to deal with it william your thoughts
6: no i, w- I was sitting there thinking you know this the most dangerous thing about this is when you have a judge that offers and poisons the whole scenario, the whole scene and, and the court setting with their own bias and opinion, they're able to, to really steer the case in the direction that they want. And we know that happened in this case. They're able to you know apply different rules to one side versus the other, allow evidence to be presented by one side and not the other, and allow the, basically the case to be led in that direction to a, a, you know, a, an outcome that they want, that they desire. And so we saw it here, and, and as you see this, as we talk about this, that's what people need to understand. These people, once they offer their opinion into the court, everything's off. Because like you said, Lamont, justice is supposed to be blind. When we see that statue, the statue is there blindfolded. However, what we're talking about is when judges that sit on the bench, they, go, they are able to basically rule unchecked and do whatever they want to do, offer their opinions, offer their insight, and that's what, that's what Judge Christine Arguello did. And that's what's so dangerous about this situation, and people need to wake up to it. Samson,
8: you're the – well, no, I mean I, I can completely agree and, and you know, want to resound what William was saying, but also to to go back to what Cliff had mentioned about, you know, these people just like getting these lifelong seats and everything else like that, but they do so with like you know, like we've been touching on already, these ulterior motives and they can't even, you know, uphold the oath that each one of them is they, they take whenever they first put on that robe, whenever they first get their seats, they will faithfully and impartially discharge and perform all their duties. The fact of the matter is is when you have an ulterior motive, when you have your own agenda, like Judge Aguayo and many others across this, you know, this nation have done, then justice is skewed. Justice is no longer blind. Justice is no longer holding the the scales fair and balanced as it's supposed to be done. Now it's being weighted by oh, who's going to line my pockets? Who's, you know, my buddy that's over here in a corner? What do I want to have happen? Or where am I connected somewhere down the road or within this system? Now we can't have true justice, as was the case for the the men of the IRP Solutions. Now we have men that have been behind bars for over seven years now, three that are still, you know, in Florence, Colorado, that are still fighting. And we're still fighting right alongside them day and night to get them justice because one crooked judge decided that she wanted to try and throw her cloud around against not only, you know, these men, but against, like you mentioned, a pastor who who is not a participant in the case whatsoever, a church. The same thing, and it's just—it's completely immoral and unethical, and she just doesn't live up to the standards she's supposed to uphold.
3: Well, at the end of the day, that is something that has to be looked at. We're going to be sharing with you tonight three different press releases that went out on this issue with judges behaving badly, part one, part two, and part three. We are going to get a discussion, and in the facts, uh, that speak to exactly the conduct of this judge. We're going to take a quick break, folks. Come back with us. Feel free to dial in uh, if, you, if you'd like to. We're going to give you that information. Well, Terry Dennis, I think you had a comment. What was it?
4: Yeah, I was just going to say that when a judge, uh, like you were talking earlier about being a referee, uh, when the judge takes a side, can you imagine uh, being in a game where the, where that referee is only for that one team? That would that, That's pretty bad. And, I mean, there's no way to win because all the calls go against you. And that's so sad about this judge that judge this judge did just that Took a side, and then steered it in such a way that the jurors could come back with only a guilty verdict They had no other choice They didn't have the information that they needed because she wouldn't allow it So stuff like this has to be stopped and I agree so much with each and every one that has spoken out about term limits There's got to be I mean there has to be accountability And there has to be, uh, you know, if you do something wrong, you pay. If you're wrong, you pay. Regardless of how you look at it, until we hold them accountable, judges will continue to use their uh, position for power.
3: We're going to get into some more detail of that here momentarily. Again, folks, feel free to dial into the show tonight, 646-200-0628, 646-200-0628. Coming up, part one of the press release uh, that went out some weeks ago. Federal judges behaving badly, abuse from the bench. We're going to go over that right after this. This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
13: Excuse me. I've been getting mixed messages about women and violence. I need a little clarification. Uncle Bill, how am I supposed to grow up to respect women? When I want
14: to have some lousy
6: role models. Boys are never going to approach you.
14: Can you help me reshape my attitudes towards women?
6: You need to teach them that violence against women is wrong.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today.
6: I can solve difficult problems for a Fortune 500 company.
7: I can run a successful
12: business.
6: I can manage your home improvements. I can publicize your message. I can motivate
15: your audience.
11: I can put my military experience to work for your company. I can teach your children. I can boost
9: your bottom line. I can add value to your workplace. I could be a loyal and productive employee.
11: But I can't put my skills
7: to work for your organization if I'm not given the opportunity. If you don't recognize my talent and ability.
8: If you don't hire me. If you don't have an open mind and a workplace that's open to everyone.
7: If you don't realize that America works best when everybody
6: works. What can you do? What can you do?
14: What can you do?
6: You can remember that it works.
14: It's what people can do. It's
6: what people can do that matters.
8: Nearly 50 million Americans have disabilities. Capitalize on their talents with employment practices that benefit everyone.
17: like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation costs less and can turn lives around, it's time for fear justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help.
3: And welcome back in, folks, to AJC Radio tonight. Uh, I'm Lamont Banks, along with our entire team here tonight on AJC Radio, addressing some issues that are critically important that we make public. And that's why this show tonight is critically important that we address the conduct of judges and the abuse happening from the bench of courts all across this country. Uh, tonight we focus in on Federal Judge Christine Arguello, who has... You know, there's a saying that they say that, you know, someone has crossed the line. Uh, That is normally stated in a singular sense. And the case regarding Christina Arguello, uh, we've run out of room on the lines that have been crossed by this judge. The conduct of this judge has been horrific. Not only did her actions result in the wrongful conviction of six innocent men, but Her latest crossing of the line came at a habeas hearing, at the request of former uh, RP6 Gary Walker and disgruntled members of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, a handful, maybe six or seven, that were disgruntled, had no problem running into a judge's chambers or courtroom, rather, and making statements that are simply untrue. We would like to believe that a judge sitting on the bench has more maturity, more insight to see that this is not something that would be allowed in any courtroom, especially under the heading of habeas. Uh, But to join in with disgruntled members and to opine on the religious practices of an institution is beyond words of how... That is even allowed in a courtroom. And as Kendrick alluded to earlier, the attempt to cover it up, to move quickly to cover it up. I don't have to seal anything if I'm above the law. The extreme circumstances of sealing proceedings came out of in the, in the uh, early years when organized crime was in place, and they were there to protect witnesses from the mob. Therefore, testimonies and things were sealed that identities of people would not be released because their life was in intimate danger by organized crime. That's where that came from. This judge is not even remotely in the area to seal records because none of that is in place here. None of that is in play. So, We had talked about before, the statement made, one of the statements made by Gary Walker, was that he feared for his safety and the safety of others. The judge goes ahead and claims that to be fact and says we're worried about the danger of the folks that testified. That is a blatant lie. And if the judge, if you're listening tonight, if you can provide one shred of evidence of a police record, a statement or a complaint that was filed against any member of Colorado Springs fellowship church. We'd like to see it saying that they were threatened. Well, I can tell you, AJC has done their homework. There is no such document. There is no such complaint. And to counter that again, uh, Mr. Walker made an attempt before to bring things to the home of, of, uh, of one of the parishioners, uh, and if he was in fear of his life, why are you there? It just does not add up. And folks want to just turn a deaf ear to that. Oh, well, that doesn't matter. or it does matter. Because this comes from a federal judge. And she bought into the lie because that's what she wanted to do. Why is the effort so strong to keep silent, to keep records
6: sealed? Why is that?
3: On our uh, trip to Washington, D.C., recently, a few months ago, members of Congress and their staff made the statement that this judge is hiding something. It's clear to them. These are attorneys. These are legal minds saying this doesn't add up. You got something to hide. Well, the high court said unseal the record unsell it, they have a right to have it. Colorado Springs Fellowship Church has a right to defend their reputation and to counter the lies that have been told in regards to this case. And I tell you what, it's going to happen and we will continue to press until it does. What is in those statements, in those proceedings that are of such horrific nature that these steps have been taken to hide it?
10: And that's the thing. You know the things that have been said in there that the judge is most afraid about are the words that she spoke in those proceedings. That's why yes. she doesn't want to have it unsealed. She, she claims, oh, it's about the safety of the people who came in and spoke. It is about what she said on that bench about a member of the clergy, about a church, where, and she knows that has no place coming from the bench. She has no right to make any statement. About a person's uh, religious belief, their uh, their their religious activity, that is not her place as a judge, and that is what she is afraid of uh, of getting out into the public view.
3: And let me share this with you from Federal Federal Judges of Behaving Badly Part Three. Actually, speaks a little bit to this issue. Uh, judge continues to conceal records of her religious bias in violation of the Supreme Court. This is in regards to Judge Aguayo. Uh, Secrecy of judicial action can only breed ignorance and distrust of courts and suspicion concerning the competence and impartiality of judges. U.S. Supreme Court Justice Lewis F. Powell Jr. states, It is no secret that in the United States, criminal and civil trials are public. Federal judges are keenly aware that the U.S. Supreme Court says that what transpires in a courtroom is public property and that court proceedings should only be sealed in the rarest of circumstances – such as the, the compelling interest of protecting the privacy of child rape victims to protect business trade secrets, or to protect a government confidential informant whose life will be in danger if their identity or testimony is made public. So why does federal judge Christine Arguello continue violating the law by concealing virtually every record from a court proceeding after the 10th circuit court of appeals vacated her sealing order, on January 23rd, 2019, and instructed her to properly apply the law to ensure the public can view court records, because court records will show Judge Arguello improperly used the court to promote her, her spite, possibly hatred, against Colorado Springs Pastor Rose Banks, as well as to promote a public scandal against the Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, which Pastor Banks founded and has pastored for 38 years. 38 years And how true is that The Supreme Court says That can only happen in the rarest of circumstances So if the Supreme Court states that Then why does the judge continue to violate the law
4: She thinks she's above the law That's the problem Somebody's going to have to do something And and when you violate an order from a higher, uh, you know, judge, there, there's a problem. There's a big problem, and that, somebody needs to say, "No, you're you're going to you are going to give up. You're going to unseal those documents now, and they and they need to be straightforward about it. They can't just sit back and let her feel that she can do whatever she wants to do.
3: Well, if you send that message,
4: see, people primarily are intimidated by
3: the federal go- government. So it puts you in a position where people are scared to speak out. They're scared to speak out. You're, you're talking about a federal judge.
2: Yeah, and, and in my view, the message is already sent. The, the issue is, why is it taking so long to get this action corrected? This is clearly wrong. If a higher court tells the lower court to do something, that is law. They must do it. If the court tells a citizen of this country to do something, wow. that is law. You must do it. If I was ordered by the court as a citizen on the street to appear, I have to appear or I face jail time. If I get a, uh, a search warrant or a subpoena, I have to follow what that search warrant says, the subpoena says. I have to follow the law. We say that no one is above the law and that this is a country ruled by law, not by a man or a person. We allow the law to be created by Congress, our representatives. And we all agree from judges to people on the street that we're going to follow that law. Why is it taking so long for a judge who's supposed to say, I am the protector of the law? Why does it take so long for you to follow a simple directive, unsealed records, that not just for the benefit of the the College Springs Fellowship Church and the pastor that was mentioned, but that's general for the public. Everyone has a right to see What went on in this court proceeding? So how are you able to ignore for this long, totally deny the law, and sit back like, well, you know what? Nothing will ever happen. And why is it so difficult to say, you know what? Well, someone needs to step in and say, you're breaking the law, and how can you tell me to follow the law, and you're breaking it? That
10: makes no sense to me. And you know what, Ken? That is called contempt of court. And if you are in a courtroom or you get an order from a court and that judge tells you to do something and you don't do it, That's contempt of court. Contempt of court, you are going to jail right now. It's not, oh, well, the the court is going to put in a motion to say uh, what type of quote-unquote sanctions should be brought against you. The the court is not arguing with you or writing you a letter saying, well, I told you to do this, citizen so-and-so. Uh, why haven't you done it? There is no arbitration in contempt of court. You contempt the court, meaning you disobeyed, you disrespected a, a judge, the law, the court. You are going to jail right then. Why is that same standard not held to when it comes to a judge? She can write a letter and say, well, I know you told me what to do and you gave me a mandate, but I feel like, a uh, higher court, you have to be wrong because the way I'm looking at it, is uh is a different way that does not matter if a, if a citizen if you get a mandate from the court as a citizen and you say well uh, guess what judge I think the way that I look at it is the right way you are going to jail this judge belongs in jail for contempt of the
3: higher court oh for sure uh, those are things that we pay attention to let me be clear uh, that the court proceeding in question here that we discuss we're discussing right now concerns convicted felon, Gary L. Walker, who in 2011 was convicted in Judge Aguero's court of conspiring to commit mail and wire fraud for two companies, IRP Solutions Corp and Leading Team, where he served as president CEO. Aguero sentenced Walker to 11 years in prison, according to the government's opposition brief. Uh, in 2017, Walker, who at the time was Pastor Banks' son-in-law of 30 years, asked Judge Aguero to free him from prison on a new claim that he had only committed crimes because he was under a religious spell a pastor of Pastor Banks, um, which was filed publicly but subsequently sealed by Judge O'Guehl after chastising the government, chastising the government, excuse me. Any self-respecting judge would have sent Walker packing with his hocus-pocus religious spell claim because it had absolutely nothing to do with Walker's conviction or sentencing. But Judge O'Guehl apparently harbored too much bias against Pastor Banks to dismiss the golden opportunity Walker provided her to publicly vilify Pastor Banks and damage her and Colorado Springs Fellowship's reputation. The cowardly CEO, Walker, claimed he was just a lowly software developer and blamed his wife and mother-in-law for running his companies and committing crimes of which he was convicted, but claimed he was innocent of for 10 years. I am absolutely sickened that Gary would engage in such a despicable cowardly act and disgusted that Judge O'Guel used a federal court As her personal star chamber To personally attack this pastor I mean Look We have Clear video Audio And written Information Of Gary Walker Stating He is the CEO Of the company We have him in his closing Arguments At the first trial, stating, I am Gary Walker, the CEO of IRP Solutions, and we have done absolutely nothing wrong here. All of this is on the record. And in which, really quick, I'll come to you. Where the judge who attended these proceedings and presided heard Gary Walker make these statements and she in return allows this if anything gary could have been charged with perjury because his statements are clearly untrue let me be clear this information that and this software did not come from one vision let me be clear on that gary walker was not the sole person who had this vision it was all six of these men, each of them individually. Without each other, there is no software. That's true. That's what, let me be clear on that. Mr. Walker wasn't this king of the hill that did all this on his own, and his vision was this. That is not the case. The vision came from six men that came together and said, I need you, you need me, and together with our individual skills, we will make this software happen. That is how that software was created. Let me be clear on that. But for Gary Walker to say he was not CEO, he was not a partner with these other men that work together night and day on this software is an absolute lie. And that's not going to change. I have heard the stories of the, in the middle of the night, work going on from sunup to sunup, no sleep at times, trying to save a nation from the next terrorist attack that would, that would plague this nation. 9-11 was enough to inspire in the hearts of these men that we need to do something, and we need to do something well to protect this country, not only for our children, but their children of what lies ahead so the vision of rp solutions is a collective vision it's collective am i right on that william
6: you're absolutely right i mean there was it was the lot that went into it all the guys all the guys contributed and were driving forces behind getting that software up and going there i mean david uh dave zapolo clint you would watch them all giving presentations about the software, all of them, you know, getting yes. requirements, contributing to it. It was a, it was a team effort. It was all their efforts. Everybody was contributing. Everybody had the vision and could see it, and 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 poured their heart and soul into it. They really did. And so, it, it's just amazing to sit back and think that he went into the courtroom and basically spun this tail, and um, and you know, and walked away. Sure.
3: Sure, we're going to get back into this folks a little further again feel free um, uh, to join us in conversation Um, and and we're going to be right back this is AJC Radio what are we discussing the uh, topic federal judges behaving badly focusing really on one judge right now tonight and that's federal judge Christine Arguello. the story and the plot thickens we'll be right back this is AJC Radio
12: Picture this, a 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think, but you can help stop it by supporting our campaign to abolish
13: the death penalty.
5: Almost every day in the news, we hear stories about innocent people who are returning home after spending years in prison for crimes they did not commit. What you may not know is that their problems don't end once the limelight fades. For many, wrongfully convicted individuals don't receive a penny for the injustice that they've faced. Take the case of Floyd Bledsoe. He spent 16 years in the Kansas prison for murder and rape he did not commit. And while Floyd was eventually exonerated, he lost everything. His family, his farm, and decades worth of income. Unfortunately, Floyd's story is not unique. Kansas, along with 17 other states, doesn't have a law to compensate wrongfully convicted individuals for the injustices they've suffered. And in states with compensation laws, many of those are woefully inadequate. We owe it to all the men and women in all 50 states to provide fair compensation to those who've suffered these injustices. Join me in urging our lawmakers to do the right thing by the wrongfully convicted. Go to InnocenceProject.org to find out how you can help.
3: For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. against wrongful convictions. Call or just calls today. 1855 529 4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there. Dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong. Because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future.
4: We know you care. Now, time to change the face of justice.
15: Did you know that
7: minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent?
15: The
11: incidents of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded.
6: (laughs) Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials.
11: If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury
4: service.
18: Oh, no, I, I that that I have not, I have not uh, read the transcripts of of that of that case, uh, but I, I, I am familiar with the the legal issue on appeal, and and uh, I, I know that it is it is almost unheard of that there would be a missing transcript of a of a uh, very important uh, colloquy between a defendant and the court uh in the ordinary course of things if the transcript is missing the judge should order a new trial uh or or otherwise set aside the conviction i'll not go i not go any forward in uh any further in the case, but I knew that i do know that that issue um, uh, that issue uh is is most unusual you have well, you would, also- you would ordinarily you would ordinarily allow for say six uh six months for the 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 record to be filed and the briefs to be filed and and uh after that after that point uh uh, you know, there, I don't see any excuse for the delay in um, in disposing of the case. But but uh, there there is uh, obvious explanation for the extraordinary delay that there has been in the processing of the of the case. Now, as for the the, the proffer to the United States Attorney, uh, you have to understand that prosecutors have almost unbridled discretion and while you would think that if if I, if I'm indicted and I uh, am' innocent and I want to present to the prosecutor the evidence which, which establishes my innocence, you would think that the prosecutor would be willing to entertain it. You would expect that. And I understand that um, this missing transcript bears on the um, the uh, Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination and some uh, uh, indication by the judge that uh, she was about to wrap up the case the defendant's case and that is very crucial type evidence and if the if there's no transcripts showing exactly what happened the conviction should be reversed assuming compliance with the with the discovery orders uh, I I would I, I don't understand how that that kind of expert evidence uh, would would have been uh, excluded. The the short answer to the question is yes, the judge had the discretion uh, to continue the trial. And ordinarily, uh, when the government has so grossly um, overestimated the trial time and there are uh, out-of-state witnesses for the defendant, uh, a judge would uh, uh, continue the trial for at least a day to allow the defendants to get their... uh, their witnesses uh to testify uh uh at the trial. Yeah the judge has it has it in her discretion uh to continue the trial. And actually, you know, uh discretion can be abused. And ah, and if it yeah. is if it is that the judge insisted on the defendant's putting on a witness uh the same afternoon that the government rested its case, ordinarily that would be an abuse of discretion. Yeah, I certainly uh, hope the justice will prevail, and, and I don't see how the, uh, the Court of Appeals could uh, uh, do anything other than reverse and remand for a new trial or dismissal of the charges.
3: Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio. As tonight, we are in discussion uh, and dissecting, if you will, the acts and conduct of federal judge, Christina Arguello. And I'll tell you, uh, this is definitely part one of the series of this show as we began to peel back and show the public exactly uh, the horrific conduct uh, that took place by this judge. And uh, Cliff, I think we got a caller in queue.
10: Yes, we actually have uh, Pastor Rose Banks is uh, on the line, has a comment. Uh, Pastor, you're live.
13: Yes, thank you for taking my call. As I, I am so glad that Just Cause is uh, addressing the issues at hand. Uh, it's a, it's such a such a horrible thing to have happened. And I remember teaching my children That our system, our system of our justice system was something that they have to respect. Respect God first of all. Respect that, and do and do the right thing. They'll never have to ever be involved with going to prison. My son said to me one time. Somebody asked him, David Banks, uh, "Do you think you'd ever go to jail?" He said, "No, I never go to prison. I'm never going to do anything to go." Uh, he asked me one day, he said, How in the world do you do the right thing and then they put you in prison for doing something good? Gary Walker is a disgrace to the human race. I have seen a lot of liars in my time. Believe me, I've seen a lot of them. This liar, he is king of lies. I mean, the things he said, this man know the whole time he's in our family. He knows our family. He knows me. He knows no such thing ever took place with no brainwashing or or he was under some spell. This man is a horrific liar, and he knows he's lying. I think that's the comfort I get out of all this is that all the lies he told, he know they're lies. You cannot cannot have any type of uh, conscience at all and not recognize that and and that's gonna be with him forever. He'll never get past that. Because the lies he told on our church, on me, uh on the guys, I think about what kind of traitor are you? If there if anybody should go to prison for being a traitor, it should be you. You know, and, and when I think about him lying saying he wanted everything sealed so that it, he he wouldn't be in danger or his family. If his family stopped lying, they wouldn't have to fear danger. We don't cause anybody anything. A lot of things have been said about me in this community that's not true. And not one person can say Sister Rose came after them. Not true. I, our church members don't go after anybody. If anything, they're forever approaching our members in the community, trying to get them to to talk to them or whatever, I told him, I said, they already accused us of of, of of threatening people and all this stuff. Just just keep going. Don't even don't even worry about speaking. Just keep going. But you know what? He told so many lies. Only God in heaven could keep a record of that many lies. But you know what? What's even the greater tragedy is that you go into a, a open court and to try to destroy our church and try to destroy this pastor which you can never succeed at. At the end of the day, truth always wins out. And so I know who I am. The church knows who I am after 38 years. There's not a church on the planet that don't have disgruntled members that walk out because they don't like something you said or something that was done. That's why you have lots of churches in this country. You can go to anyone you want to. We abide by the rules of the Bible. And I see to that those things are carried out with us as members, and even myself as a pastor, I live by those rules. So, for them to be just grown with me over whatever reason, and I really care—I don't really care. Or the bottom line is that's why you had—that's why the door was open for you to go out of. But for Gary Walker to be married to my daughter, who I wish if I could. If I could change that and not let him into my family with what he'd done to my daughter and my grandson, I hardly call him a father. He had to never tell all those lies on us in court and then say, I might end up losing my wife and my son. Are you kidding me? Did you really think that my daughter would stay with you? That was her decision. My daughter wanted to divorce him before he ever got out of prison for the things he was saying. And I said, no, why don't you wait and give your marriage a chance? And he said, just wait a bit. He's upset he's in prison, whatever. But you know what? She was absolutely right uh, to divorce him. She said, Mama, he's the traitor of all traitors. How could you lie on my mom and our family? And how in the world could you throw the men who are committed to helping you and y'all work together to make a dream come true," she said. "Mama, how could he possibly have thrown those men under the bus and then dumped my daughter there with them? Uh, you are the most sickest person. If anybody should be have their head examined, it should be you, because only a sick person could tell the lies and the untruths that you have told. And but I, I am convinced as long as God is on the throne. You're not going to have any peace of mind after what you've done. You may say, oh, I feel fine. Oh, no, you don't. But as far as you thinking that anybody in this church had your life in danger, you know that's an outright lie. You know of all the people in 30 years in in this community that have went out and lied on me and lied on the church, how many of them can you name that the church went after? You name one. You are a horrific liar. And and then, then his mom is putting out there basically that I harassed her. I had still conversations with this woman. Never had Carmen any conversations with her. But her son was the one who had the issue with his own mom and dad and came back and told us he's never going to talk to them again because they both were liars. Those were his direct words. We don't lie on people. We tell the truth. And then... When I called his mom and I said, well, Gary's upset, he said he came over there and and he didn't want to come back anymore, I said, you think we all could sit down together and talk so that, that we don't have this dissension or, or division between him and, and Kyle, his grandson? I said, you think we could talk? His daddy spoke to me and said, we don't want to talk to you. I said, okay. I just thought maybe in some way if I could be of help, I wanted to. There's never been a word of harassment to any of those people, ever. And you know what? I know in time, and God is the one that's in control of it, Gary Walker and every other person that went to that courtroom and lied on Pastor Rose in this church, God's going to take care of it. You know, that's the good thing about letting God take care of it. We don't have to do anything. Because the scripture tells us not to do it. Vengeance belongs to God. We don't go out to bring revenge on anybody. So that's an outright lie. We live by what the scripture says. And so for you were to say your life was in danger, you knew that was a lie, Gary. You knew it was a lie. And anybody else who sit on that stand and told lies, they know they were lies. What's so sad is that a federal judge would sit there and allow this type of 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 words to come into a courtroom that people are down in a pastor in a church that had nothing to do with a habeas, Had nothing to do with it. Why was it even allowed in the courtroom? You gonna sit there and badmouth me, bad mouth our church, but never one time talk to a member of our church, never talk to me. And then on top of that, with all this stuff going on, you just automatically take it up and say Rose Banks is no good and Rose Banks is you don't know me. But I sure know who you are because you made yourself very visible, and by the language that you used against me, may God take care of that for me, and He will take care of you, and He will take care of all the rest of them who came in and told deliberate lies, know they were lying, and what's so sad, you supposed to be as a judge, a judge of character. What happened? My God, any judge that can that don't, that's not able to judge character. In a person, whether they're lying or telling the truth, they should never be a judge. Because how can you make a just decision if you can't even define when a person is telling a lie or the truth? Uh, this is a sad situation. Uh, we're never going to stop fighting for our men to be free. And we and we got so many good pluses going on right now. And it was such an injustice, a horrible injustice. But thank God he is our justice. We know without a doubt he's going to let the truth win out every time. Lies will run their course, but the truth will stand forever. You can never do nothing with it. And Gary Walker, the judgment of God, I can't even imagine what it's going to be for the lies he told, knowing our family, knowing my daughter, knowing uh, uh, all the guys that were a part of the IRP6, he knows these guys. It wasn't somebody that came in and he just met them one day. He knows these guys. They've been together for years. And you throw them under the bus, you are the worst of the worst of cowards. I remember you telling me, and I'm getting ready to close on this note, I came to the prison to visit them, and he said, I know one thing, I'm going to get out of this prison, and I don't care what I have to do to get out. Well, you know what, Gary? I never thought you would just throw everybody under the bus. You are the worst kind of coward. You're such a weakling with no backbone whatsoever. I mean, I'm going to shift all this over to my mother-in-law. What a coward you are. And you know well as I know, I didn't run IRP. IRP was was was, was put together by the six men working together. But you would tell a lie and say I was the CEO. Really? You know what? You know they're all lies, though. At some point in your life, you're going to have to come face-to-face with that and say, I told lies on them that was not true because the God that's in heaven, that's on the throne, is going to bring you to that day. That's fine. I don't have to do anything. When you say you feared us, no, you better fear God. We're not the ones to be feared because we're not going to do anything to anybody, and we haven't in 38 years, Surely. If we were people that would threaten people's lives and and come after them and all this stuff, surely it would have been known before 38 years. Gary, may God have mercy on your soul. May he have mercy on your soul. What a tragedy. What did you do with your life? You threw it completely away. That's sad, very sad. I turn it back to you all. Thanks so much for taking my call.
3: And Thank you, Pastor Banks. Uh, I'll tell you right now, folks, look, And those are the words that come from a respected uh, pastor of this community um, needing to say uh, what her own heart felt uh, led her to say. Uh, William, when you look at that, um, Pastor Banks has a right to speak out. Absolutely. Uh, Her character has been attacked by this judge needlessly. Yes. without, Without any type of... Justification.
6: Well, well, this is the thing. I think listeners need to understand that the church nor the pastor were involved in any way. Gary pretty much brought them in, and and then the the uh, the judge kind of chimed in on this. So there was nothing. I mean, the the IRP six that case. There it was it was. It, I guess what I'm trying to emphasize there's a separation there. You know, he brought this in. He accused this, made all these accusations, and the other other people that were there. And and that's the thing that's so sad. And allows, you know, you ask and you wonder well, How did this happen? You know, why do these people? How were they allowed to even come in and just and like Gary come in and spin up this this tale of saying you know this is kind of witchcraft and stuff. And so I, it's amazing to me. But she has a right, absolutely a right to speak and address these issues. When she's being accused, the church has been accused, and and the judge has not, you know, to my knowledge, they've never met.
3: And No, without question, William. And uh, look, these are things that have to be uncovered. They have to be addressed. Uh, just like in any other situation, people are going to let the facts play out to what they are. The facts in this case are clear. Uh, Pastor Banks alluded to it. Uh, this has nothing to do with a habeas. A habeas is the finding of grave constitutional error in proceedings that were overlooked. Has nothing to do with the opinion of disgruntled members, people that are saying this or saying that. Has nothing to do with the the conduct that takes place in a habeas hearing. This is what how far gone the bias by Judge Christine Arguello, is out there because she is not even looking at the fact that through her bias and hate for this pastor in this church that you let a circus go on in your courtroom. Uh, And as I was saying there, that uh, these types of behaviors uh, just cannot go unpunished. Uh, or unaccounted for. If we as citizens in this country are held accountable to a standard when it comes to the law, I I am at a loss for words of why that same rule does not apply to those that enforce the law, those that are ministers of the law, if you will, of the criminal justice system, which falls in the hands of judges, of prosecutors, of attorneys, of the higher courts, whether it's the appellate court, whether it's the state Supreme Court, and ultimately the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. You know, this is something that we're going to discuss further here momentarily. Uh, folks, again, feel free uh, to call into this show. Give us your thoughts on, on what you think uh, are the things that matter. And, Dennis, I'll tell you right now, uh, hopefully, you know, a lot of times people lose lose hope, if you will, Uh, When it comes to the criminal justice system, they believe that when judges at that level do what they do, uh, who can silence them? Who can say, look, is something going to happen here? Does the high court say, look, we take a stand and we honor and uphold the Constitution? Every judge is given an oath to uphold the Constitution. My consensus is that then if that's the case, the higher court in any city, state, wherever – should have the integrity, whether it's your brethren or not, to hold people accountable and hold, up, hold them to that standard. We're going to discuss that more and deal with a little more uh, regarding Judge Aguayo. The bias, the injustice that came from her court uh, will continue to be addressed. This is
5: AJC Radio. We'll be right back. a barred police officer who shot and killed a man when i
12: first saw the oscar Grant footage like a lot of people here in oakland i was outraged
9: as soon as i heard about it and i went online and i seen what had happened tears came down my eyes it was
6: something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of oakland
9: it was like such a
0: blatant murder you have a city in trauma. anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in
6: trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city
17: and it's only going to make it worse for us. They
12: killed our young, you young women. You, you, you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And
17: make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a
12: way that is about...
5: Using your voice
12: for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just. Violence, Violence is not
13: justice.
0: Violence is not justice.
13: Violence is not justice.
0: The United States houses more human beings in prisons than any other country in the world. This is true whether you're counting total numbers or in relation to population size this wasn't always the case. The number of prisoners in the US began to rise dramatically in the 1970s. So what changed in America compared to other countries? While there are several competing theories, a look at the data reveals that a significant part of the prison growth in the last 40 years has been driven by the war on drugs. Here's the data. By 1980, there were over 315,000 prisoners in state and federal facilities. 57% were violent offenders, 30% were property violators, such as thieves or those convicted of fraud. 5.5% of inmates were in for public order and other miscellaneous offenses. And the remaining 7.5% were nonviolent drug law violators. Ten years later, the drug war had grown, and the total American prison population had more than doubled to over 740,000 inmates. The proportion of offenders in each type of crime had also changed dramatically. The most growth occurred in the nonviolent drug offender population, which grew to a significant 24%. And this last statistic actually understates the influence of the drug war on prison populations. Many studies have shown that drug prohibition causes violent crime by leading to the formation of gangs and cartels. And thus it is safe to say that the number of violent criminals under prohibition is higher than it would otherwise be. From 1990 to 2000, the drug-driven population growth continued. By 2000, the total prison population had almost doubled again to over 1.3 million inmates. And by 2010, the prison population was up to 1.6 million people. The growth has started to settle and even decline in recent years, but the proportions of offenses are retaining their post-1990 levels. America's unique methods of enforcing drug prohibition seem to parallel its unique prison population. And one has to ask, is our country really better off with so many nonviolent drug offenders behind bars? Are drug users likely to be cured from addiction by being locked up? Has locking up dealers and users lessened the demand for drugs? Certainly, the effects on overall usage could not be called a success. And yet we spend billions every year on this war and lock up hundreds of thousands. Surely there must be a less costly approach to addressing drug use in America.
17: When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, How do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do board chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a lot.
12: fairness
6: red, yellow, black, white. We're all the same color.
13: When you turn off the light.
16: I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes, and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at askscreenknow.com.
3: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio as we continue our discussion of judges behaving badly and abuse from the bench. Tonight we talk uh, in regards to Federal Judge Christina Aguayo out of the 10th Circuit here in Colorado that uh, has done some things that you've heard thus far on this show. And we've only scratched the surface uh, of the circus that took place in her courtroom in a habeas hearing uh, regarding Gary Walker and some disgruntled members of Colorado Springs fellowship church, uh, uh, pastor Rose banks, uh, impeccable reputation in the community here, 38 years of service, um, in this community and a huge part of outreach, uh, for the community here with from people from all walks of life, uh, have been affected in a very good way, uh, as a result of the outreach by this ministry, by this church. Uh, but for, with all of that said, uh, Judge Arguelles has uh, gotten in on a soapbox to, to really badger and slander uh, this church, Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, and Pastor Banks. Uh, make no mistake about it. This, this outrage uh, would be spoken, whether it was Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, uh, First Presbyterian, First Catholic, whatever religion uh, that it will be under fire by this judge would be outrageous. Uh, and the just cause would speak to it equally uh, as outraged. And uh, right now, um, we're going to play a clip for you um, uh, that uh, was done by Jonah Goldsmith who gave some comments uh, in regards to the lack of due process for the RP5, uh, and some things that just were t- t- perception wise and to those that were on looking and heard the things that went on even during the trial. Uh, so this this is something that was ongoing with this judge it just didn't happen in habeas this was from day one when these men entered her courtroom this bias was clearly seen let's take a listen
19: first on appeal and i assume there's an appeal pending in this case but um uh the the issue is a due process issue. It seems to me uh the judge should have um uh entertained their motion for continuance, so these defendants uh in this uh uh i r p six case it sounds like were the victims of that kind of uh, philosophy that cases trials cannot be postponed for any reason whatsoever, unless maybe, uh, you know, death of legal counsel or something like that, which wouldn't be relevant here. So I think that's that's the problem, but I think it is. Uh, it was uh, probably prejudicial. I don't know enough about all the different witnesses and what their reasons were for not attending and so on, but, but uh, if a case can be made that uh, witnesses could not attend because they were unable to come to this new earlier date, uh, they had established, uh, you know, they had carved out their schedule for a later time and just couldn't possibly come any earlier, why that, it seems to me, would be a denial of due process on the part of the judge. So maybe now is the time to file a misconduct complaint with the, uh, uh, is it the 10th Circuit Court of Appeals there in Colorado?
10: Yes, it yeah. is have the 10th Circuit.
19: Oh, I I would, uh, you know, suggest that maybe that's a route to take if you can get affidavits together um, and make that claim. Uh, It's really unfortunate there was nothing on the record. That's that's really uh, unfortunate.
3: Well, there you have it. And uh, look, this gentleman, Mr. Goldsmith, is clear, uh, not knowing even everything that had happened. Stated that a misconduct complaint should be filed against this judge. That's before habeas. That's before anything that. What he's referring to there is the fact that the case was. Uh, for the prosecution finished a week and a half early. Uh, With that being done, the judge tried to rush completion and rush the defense uh, to go forward. Um, That's something that is a violation, as he stated, of due process. Dennis, your thoughts?
4: It just doesn't, to me... it. I understand, you know, what he was saying, and it's true. I mean, you're going to, you're going to, after the uh, prosecution finishes early, you're going to push the defendants and you're going to rush them to present their case uh, to show that, in fact, that, uh, you know, the whole case was a joke. But again, we're talking about a a judge that is truly uh, corrupt, truly biased, uh, truly prejudiced. Uh, because when you take the side of, uh, you know, you know, you take a side, period, it's wrong all the way around. And and, and as you can see, the results was now we're trying to rush uh, to sure. present. The defense is trying to rush to present uh, their, what they want to well, present.
3: Well, the issue is is that if the prosecution tells the judge that the case they intend their side to be done, say in three weeks, you get done a week and a half early. Uh, The defense has already said, okay, based based on the prosecution statement, that the judge, the case will go this way. This is how much time they will need. Um, And as as Mr. Goldsmith said, then it's automatic that a continuance would be granted uh, in the case where they can gather their witnesses, the defense now. Gather their witnesses, say, look, we're going to call them. We're going to. Get something set up and let them know that this has happened, not to inconvenience the potential witnesses for the, for the defense, because the prosecution at this point has put on their case. If you make an attempt to say, well, you either be re- take the stand to testify or I will end your case,
6: you can't do that. You just can't. No, you can't.
2: And the majority of our witnesses were out of state. They were government employees. They just can't, on a whim, just leave their job and come and testify. They had to notify their bosses. And we had to tell uh, the witnesses that were local. They also were working. We had to So when they... Good time when, off. Yeah, exactly. So when the government ended early, and we went through this exercise meticulously uh, of schedules and dates before the court on when the government was supposed to be done, we had to tell her our timeline. But... It was totally unfair and irregular for her to, when the government ended, we had no opportunity to say, well, now the schedule's changed. We have to let this trickle down to all the witnesses that potentially are going to testify. But then she
8: suggests to us who we should put on the stand.
3: It's not her job. It's not her job. It's not
8: her job. No, you're you're absolutely right, Lamont. And I was just like reading the part one of this, uh, that press release, how it says that, you know, like Kinder was mentioning that. Yeah, they had several witnesses that were out of state. They, they had to try to adjust schedules, and, they, and she um, she violated their Fifth Amendment rights by, te- by telling them to hey, you know, put somebody on the stand. You know, you can't compel somebody to be a witness against themselves. You can't do it. It's against the law. The ju- this judge broke the law and violated these men's rights on so many different instances, and then you, and then conveniently now the the transcript isn't complete there's stories being made up left and right to try and justify this judge's actions. And the fact of the matter is, is, you know, like we've said time and again here, the the higher courts need to come down on this judge and rather than just make a statement, they need to have some bite behind what they, behind what they're doing. They need to actually, you know, put, you know, feet to fire and make some things happen, not just let it be words, let it be action as well.
3: Well, the problem is, is is that's why the belief in the system uh, is what it is. It's deteriorating. Um, But we as advocates have a job and a responsibility to call out injustice wherever we find it. So, you know what? Some people may not like it. It's not a problem. The problem is what you did. That's true. That is the problem. If I do my job, if I live with an ounce of integrity... And I hold up the oath that I took when I put that robe on. We wouldn't be having this discussion right now. There is no integrity in some of these judges. Sure. They, I said this before, I'll say it again. They have a God complex. Some of them, let me be clear, some of them, a God complex that they are God. And what they say, it doesn't matter what they do, how they do it, they have a complex that I am untouchable. Not so. And as long as we breathe as advocates, we're going to hold you accountable. And every advocate out there, every person who believes in justice should not hesitate to call out the conduct of any judge, any prosecutor, any attorney. That crosses the line of law, because I guarantee you, we're going to have to answer if we do it. That's right. And in many cases in this country, if we don't do anything, we we get locked up. How much more so for blatant disregard for the law? Should accountability be stuck to that? This is AJC Radio. We'll be right back.
11: Odds of becoming an astronaut, 1 in 13,200,000. Odds of being struck by lightning, 1 in 576,000. Odds of dating a supermodel, 1 in 88,000. Odds of bowling a perfect game, 1 in 11,500. Odds of being trapped in an elevator, 1 in 24,528. Odds of catching a ball at a major league game, 1 in 563 odds of an injury from shaving one in 6,585 odds of tripping while texting one in 10 odds of getting cancer in your lifetime one in two men one in three women it's up to us to change the odds for our generation
10: for the ones we love for our future
11: if you don't like the odds stand up stand up to cancer
17: All
14: right, get ready for the day, buddy. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Do we have a gun? What's that? We have a gun.
5: Why do you ask that, kiddo?
14: Can I play with it?
5: No, no, absolutely not. It's not a toy, you know that.
14: Do I? I bet it looks like one.
5: Yeah, well, it's not. Anyway, I need it to protect you, your sister and mom. From what? From bad guys, like on TV.
14: But what about the eight kids who get shot every day by mistake? Their daddies probably thought they were safe, too.
5: Where'd you hear that? TV. Yeah, well, maybe we don't believe everything we hear on TV. where do you keep it? <laughs> it's hidden.
14: I bet it's on top shelf for the closet, under your sweatshirts. Is it loaded?
5: It's not. I, I keep the bullets... And the
14: boots with the red laces, and the chest beside the bed? I haven't found them yet, but I'm sure I can You always told me to be curious. Remember when I found my Christmas gift? I'm a good climber, you know.
5: No. No, that's not what I meant. Look, I I need to be ready if someone breaks in.
14: What about when it's just me and Mom? You taught me to be brave. I can use a gun to protect her.
5: No, Justin, I promise. I'll teach you how to handle a gun when you're old
14: enough. What if I don't make it to old enough? I could get bullied and decide it's too much for me. It would be so easy with our gun.
15: Our gun? No, buddy. My gun.
14: But it is our gun. In our home. Happens all the time.
15: I'll make sure that doesn't happen. I'm always here for you.
14: But Dad, you're not always here. Temperatures,
6: we should reach our global high about 82 degrees by this afternoon. Clear skies tonight with a low near seven. Increasing cloudiness tomorrow, sticky.
9: I wanted to be in the military since I, was, since I was a kid.
6: I served in the United States Air Force.
15: I served a
11: total of 16 years.
0: I was deployed uh, 13 times. On my second deployment, four bombs hit my vehicle. And at 19 years old, that's the first time I ever saw somebody
6: die.
12: Coming back, I was raging.
8: I started having pretty horrible nightmares. I would wake up in the middle of the night, sweats. I started drinking a lot.
0: I felt worthless.
11: I guess I never recognized it in myself.
0: Eventually one day I just walked into the VA hospital and said, I'd like to see somebody. Don't suffer alone. You got to find that link with somebody.
8: It'll make you let it go.
6: It all starts with going to the VA. There's a whole community of veterans that just want to help you out. It's for the guys who couldn't come back. So you owe it to them to live well because they're not here with their families.
16: I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes, and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at askscreenknow.com.
13: Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear
14: about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce my dad because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot, but I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad.
6: If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance,
0: education,
13: and other services to help prepare you for your next mission.
11: You're on your way to meet up with friends, but you can't seem to get anywhere quickly. You don't want your friends to be annoyed, so you text. You're on your way. Five seconds is the average time your eyes are off the road while texting while driving. Make sure you get where you're going.
3: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio tonight as we continue to speak in regards to the conduct and actions of Christine Arguello, federal judge of the 10th Circuit here in Colorado. The, The horrific tragedy taking place in her courtroom from day one that six defendants walked into her court. She failed To display honor of the bitch Um, The ramifications The collateral damage Of injustice suffered here Make no mistake about the cost That has come as a result Of this judge I have looked in the eyes of the men who suffered this point seven years without their families, without a Christmas, without a holiday. It is high time that we take a look at the cost of injustice. And perhaps that cost will be so felt. And the outrage would become so clear that a judge would think twice to do it again. It's been a high price paid here. So that's something that we have talked about, we have lived it with the RP five. The untiring efforts of Colorado Springs Fellowship thirty eight Years of touching a community and an outreach where it hurt the most. 38 years of reaching to the homeless to say we care. This is the motto of Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, the price that has been paid to reach out in a community that's hurting. This is Colorado Springs Fellowship Church and Pastor Rose Banks, a church that decided to reach out to the local law enforcement, police department, sheriff's department, and to feed those servants of the law, lunch and breakfast. It's a lot of people. You want to know about Colorado Springs Fellowship Church and its pastor? That reached out to the elderly and the senior citizens of their communities to let them know that someone cared. Colorado Springs Fellowship Church, Pastor Rose Banks, their outreach to veterans and to our military to say thank you for the price and the sacrifice that you give. Not in word only, but in actions demonstrated to them to know. That someone cares. And for that to be under fire. By a federal judge is despicable. For any community. To have to endure that. When you talk about a pillar of its community. To help the hurting. And those that can't find a way out. For you to opine on that institution and to attack it, you attack our community. It is unacceptable. William, your thoughts?
6: I think you uh, – you know, the thing about it is um, that is sad is that you would attack Would attack somebody like you said that reached out and has reached out and would continue to reach out in this community to show love, demonstrations of love. The families that, like you pointed out, you robbed them seven years. Seven years we've we've lived this. Um, Families, they've been harassed at the prison. They get to see that their families that one day, and then they've had to, we've had. Situations go on, and
8: it's just
6: and watch children grow, watch families, you know, birthdays come, holidays come, and it's been hard. It's been very, very hard, and for someone to offer their opinion, uh, offer their own bias in the courtroom when you should be standing there neutral, um, allowing, you know, the the prosecution to put on their case, and and where the defense was not allowed to. Um, And then for this habeas mess, you know, it's sad. It's really, really sad. And people don't think about this, but the consequences of your actions, when a person like that is put in that kind of position and they see that their power is absolute and they run around unchecked and how they can destroy lives and take time, take time from families and children and and parents, that's that's hard, that's hard, man.
3: Well, let me say this, and I could not – Address Judge Arguello without addressing the loss of LaWanna Banks-Clark. Whether you sleep at night or not, you are complicit in the death of LaWanna Banks-Clark. The question is asked that Lawana was under extreme pressure at the time of her death when that rupture happened. You, Judge Aguayo, sent this innocent woman with evidence of her innocence for six months out of the state of Colorado. A woman who never was in trouble with the law worked as a church counselor not a spot on her record Told the truth You, Judge Argoyle, Are complicit In that pressure That ruptured in her brain Live with that one Because in your heart of hearts You know That Ms. Clark was not guilty of anything And when brought to your attention That a handwriting expert said, this is not the signature of Luana Banks Clark, which means your entire case is over. You refused to do the right thing and live
6: by the integrity that should be at the bench.
3: You sent her to prison anyway. You are complicit. And the death of a human being. That is the biggest of tragedies of them all.
6: We will not remain silent. We will not cowardly
3: out from speaking against this type of injustice. What other families are affected? by the character of this judge. I can promise you, when you find this type of horrific conduct, it is not isolated. Someone needs to take a look into her court. I promise you, there has to be other victims of injustice not just I woke up this morning and decided to administer injustice today this is a pattern of abuse so much so that the 10th circuit said we have concerns about this judge but on the other hand simply walk away or turn a blind eye unacceptable Our dear sister, I'll say it again. What role did you play, Judge O'Goyle? The death of Lawana Banks Clark, who is only a little over a year removed from us. This is an abuse of power. And I say to every advocate, to every group, to every judge that occupies the bench in every district, county, state Supreme Court, and the United States Supreme Court, who will stand up and honor the oath that was taken? Because I'm going to tell you right now, oath doesn't see your brothers or sisters in black, they see what the Constitution and what justice is we have, and I know we have good judges out there. Will somebody stand up and say this is wrong? I can tell you right now, I can speak, I can't speak for any other group. I can't speak for any other organization. I can't speak for any other judge. You know in your heart who you are. But a just cause will never cease to speak. Our voice will not be silent. And as long as injustice runs rampant
6: in the land,
3: a just cause will be there to fight. William, your closing thoughts.
6: You know, we have to take a stand for this. This this level of injustice is absolutely incredible. And we have a responsibility to to take a stand, inform those that are, may not be aware that, that such a thing would happen. It may be. Be like us, you know. Before all this took place, we've never have thought, never would have thought this would happen in a court of law. But we need to be aware. And we need to be well informed and educated. And just cause will do just that.
8: Yeah, I think it, as advocates, we all need to get out there. I mean, and and do our part. You know, those like when was saying those that may not be educated, those that may not be informed, um, or just may. You know, inadvertently be turning a blind eye to the situation that is going on in this system of injustice. Like, it is our duty to not only inform them, but to tell as many people as possible and to incite change. Words, words are not enough anymore. It is going to take action, and the action of a collective group of people, concerned citizens, all the way up to the highest level. You know, I mean, we can do our part here, but, you know, we have to, as a people, rally together and say, look, we are not going to stand idly by and let these judges get in positions where they think that just because they put on a robe and have a bench to sit on, that they can dole out, you know, unfair sentences and be biased or partial to one side of the case or the other. That's not justice. And this isn't a black issue, a white issue, a red issue,
3: a yellow issue. It's people
19: issue.
3: That's right. People issue. And we stand against injustice. I don't care what color, what religion, where you come from. This type of behavior in any court cannot be tolerated. We'll see you next time. This is AJC Radio kicking off 2020 with a bang. Judges behaving badly, abuse from the bench continues. We come back. This is Agency Radio for all of us here. Good night and take care.
7: about the strangest thing this legal analyst has ever heard I mean, especially, you know, to me, the whole thing with not allowing experts to be called, I mean, that's just that's just completely, you know, in opposite to, you know, what our, you know, our rights are in in a courtroom and and the need to have experts in a courtroom on cases like this. But the fact of losing transcripts and, ironically, as my grandma would say, what a coinky-dink, what a coincidence. That the part that's missing deals with the Fifth Amendment violation where they're forced to testify. Isn't that mm-hmm. the allegation? But it's not in there. I mean, I never hear <laughs> transcripts being lost. Ever, And if, if there's a lack of a record, you've got some revenues, which is, you know, you should reverse the case. There's not a record to review. I mean, that's part of yeah. it, too. But yet they haven't gotten that. And the fact is, is you don't dismiss an expert witness and tell the jury that they were not timely. I mean, that should have been decided way before the fact. You created the crime. I mean, in a lot of ways. I mean, basically, there's a, the, what preceded the crime, I mean, it's that they weren't able to be debt-free because of what you did. And by the way... and. The prosecutor should never leak that there might be an indictment. That's all grand jury proceedings are supposed to be confidential. Um, but then they basically put the accused in harm's way and set them up to be convicted and to not have that income. It's just, you know, one of the things as you know is the prosecutor's job is to see if justice is done, you know, not to win at any cause, but to do justice. And that yeah. wasn't done happily, no. I mean, went to law school for years for this. Right. I'd never, in, in the cases I've covered as an analyst, as a prosecutor or as a defense lawyer, ever seen a judge hold a pro se litigant to a higher standard? Ever? Mm-hmm. I mean, and if they did, they wouldn't say it, because mm-hmm. that, yeah. that that's going to be trouble on appeal too for the prosecution. You can't do that. I mean, because they can't, they can't be held to that standard. They're incapable of mm-hmm. attaining that standard just by right. virtue of a lack of training. No, I was just going to say, just take a look at the Oscar Astoria's trial as an example. They've had delays over there all the time with witnesses that can't get there just because they don't quite judge the day record. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. They have empty afternoons. You see, you know, courts recess. You know, the fact <laughs> is, is that you have to work around people's schedules. I mean, and especially when the prosecutor says, I'm going to say three weeks, not, you know, a week and a half or three and a half weeks. That's ridiculous. No fault of their own. They're penalized mm-hmm. again. And that just shows prejudice, too, on part of the judge. Yeah.